On this episode of the Big O Podcast, I am joined by former Canadian Olympic sprinter, 2002 Pac-10 Track and Field Athlete of the Year, and current commentator for CBC Sports, Anson Henry. We talk about getting into track and field late in high school, his dominance in the Canadian circuit, the D1 scholarship offers across the United States, representing Canada on the biggest stage against the best of the best in the world, and how an unfortunate injury led to an unexpected career in commentating and journalism. This is the Big O Podcast. everybody and welcome back for another episode of the big old podcast today i am joined by none other than pac 10 collegiate athlete still holds some records at the old school former canadian sprinter and olympian and currently host for cbc mr anson carter anson or Anson Henry. Anson Henry. Uh, I don't know why I said before, Anson man. Carter. It's happened before. It's happened numerous <laughs> times before, man. Join the list. Join <laughs> no, I the feel list. Bad. The funny just... thing is, my mom actually, she used to work for the mayor, right? And she okay. ended up meeting Anson Carter. Oh, shoot. And she was always saying, you know, my son is the real Anson, you know. You know your name Anson, but my son Anson Henry is the real Anson. But yeah, and Anson Carter thing happens all the time, dog. Yeah, I mean, it's all listen. good. I'm in good company then. If if Mama can say Anson, then, it, then it's totally yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah. Anson, Anson Henry, how you doing, man? Chilling, man. What's good? It's been uh, what a couple weeks. Yeah, it's been a couple weeks. We uh, connected on uh, the Good Rookies podcast. We were both mm-hmm. uh, guests with uh, Nelly J and Fahim. Shout out Good Rookies. And uh, I said the only way I'd ever go back to that podcast again because it's such a great time. I'm like, you got to bring back Anson because I felt like we had a pretty good vibe and, and conversation <laughs> going. So yeah, it was cool still. Yeah, we touched a we touched a lot of touchy things. Well, the touchy, I don't know. There's a lot of controversial things we talked about. You know what I'm For saying? Sure. Everyone has the differing opinions on basketball and stuff. But you know, we got into the casters, casters of many stuff, and then we got into it was a good diet, good good discussion, man. We touched a lot For of things. For sure, and you know, we've been sort we didn't of chatting. Much, yeah, but it was well, respectful. I, we, I don't we, mean we, you didn't. We didn't agree <laughs> that much, but it didn't really get like too like out of hand, which I don't mind. Yeah. But it was yeah, it's like. I feel like differing opinions are always good to help you grow because while mm. you, you you tend to see things from a different perspective and it's funny because we've been chatting a lot of offline and there have been some things that have come up where we have really sat on sort of opposite ends of the spectrum when it comes to our conversation and so I was like this is great this is the first time I'm having someone who's super respectful who I really enjoy talking to but like does not see eye to eye with some of the stuff sports related that you know that we've talked about so i think it's gonna be kind of fun and we're gonna see how it goes and we're gonna see you know where we sort of end up but i want to start off by by really talking about you because before the podcast i was sort of showing you that uh i have some familial ties to some u.s college that jersey a, I see. Wait, that's right it's it's a rival of where you actually went to school and i don't want to screw this up again because i did before we talked about it you went to Washington State University, home Cougars. of the Cougars. That's the right. Cougars, man. Um, yeah. But let's talk about how, you know, you're born in Toronto. And how do you end up, you know, getting into sprinting? How do you get into the sort of track and field? How do you end up in Washington? And then we'll pick up your journey. But how do you go from Toronto kid to U.S. collegiate sprinter? 
Well, the funny thing is, uh, I just started running track to like 12th grade. Oh, geez. But it ended end up going better than I expected it to. I thought I was just going to jump on a relay team and run well. But then right. it ended up going a lot better. I don't know if you remember back in the day we had OAC. Years. Yeah, that was. So I was. That was grade 13. I was the last year that didn't have it. So I was oh, like serious? grade 12 was my last year. And the year before me was, was the okay. last OAC year. Okay, so yeah, I, I I had an OAC year after that first year I did track, and my OAC year went really well track wise. And then back then it wasn't like a YouTube thing where like people see my races <laughs> online. I'm right. like mailing videotapes to schools, right? right? So I'm mailing to UCLA. I actually I actually mailed a tape to USC, okay, USC, Washington State. There's a bunch of people, a bunch of schools in the SEC. So I'm sending my tapes all over the place, right? Um, and then honestly i not not many people know this but i really wanted to go to ucla I really, really wanted to go there and they saw my tape and um the coach there at the time was like yeah we'll give you a full ride man it's all good so i'm i'm telling all these other schools hey, i'm going to ucla i'm going to ucla i'm going to ucla and then probably like a month before i was supposed to like make my way out there the coach hollered at me was like okay we're about to send over the paperwork but small little issue uh one of our football players wants to go full-time track and field you know you've run 1040 out of high school he's run 1034 uh i wanted to give you the full but we can't give you the full but all you have to do is pay for room and board i was like i ain't about to pay no room and board i'm (laughs) i'm not trying to pay for no school at all i mean you know i've been getting offers from all over the place so then it turned into like you know the callbacks <laughs> like hey you know that uh scholarship we had and it was a lot of a lot of schools that already moved moved their money someplace else right and then but washington state was still like stuck around strong you know what i'm saying it's still in the same conference and um i don't know it was it wasn't like i wouldn't say it was like a situation where i went somewhere i didn't want to go i just didn't right. expect to go there and when i went there i mean it worked out for the better i love my i love my time there and i was I end up whooping on all them UCLA guys. I do this. So yeah. So whatever. It's, I'm not surprised, you know, UCLA, bunch of, you know, don't really have nothing nice to say about them. So my oh. mom always told me not to say anything at all. Right, right. So you're a USC cast. So you, know, really, you really don't like that. You have the situation with, that we would have with UW, University of exactly. Washington. Like, yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's actually funny because uh, I put a good I'm, whooping on them for you, yo. Good. But I put I, a good I, whooping on y'all too. I appreciate that. You know, I appreciate anytime UCLA, you know, the New York Jets, you know, uh, I'm trying to think of some other rivals, you know, anytime those guys, you know, don't do well, the LA Clippers, you know, anytime they don't do well, I'm good with that. You know, know, it makes sense that you're from California, dog, or you're from LA because (laughs) no, I noticed there's like a lot of times people within the sport culture in Toronto, this is something, there's a certain passion that just isn't there because they haven't been exposed to what real sport culture is in the States. I'm not hating on Toronto. I'm just saying within, within hockey, you see real sport culture in Canada. Aside from that, it's not, everything's kind of secondhand. We're we're kind of seeing what we can from the States. But when you're in the States, especially like LA, like you really are a fan of the team. You really are a part of the culture. You really bleed for your squad right so it's 100%. like the way people speak the way people you know the way sports the way you guys interpret sports and 
like Americans. I, I when I went to the states, I was exposed to that, so I realized, yeah. yo, this this is real sport culture. So I I should I should have I kind of noticed in hindsight. You telling me <laughs> now that you're from LA, I'm like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> well, I mean, listen. Yeah. I, USC, UCLA, one of the biggest rivals. And for the longest time without a, a team in Los Angeles, that was professional football in LA. It was USC, it was UCLA, it was the Rose Bowl, it was playing in Pasadena, it was the biggest rivalry. And then you know, obviously, you know, you get the Chargers and the Rams now coming and they're trying to take back that momentum and USC sort of had a couple of down years, but mm-hmm. USC has excelled in baseball. They had that like miracle youtube video or, or a clip that a lot of people have seen i think it was maybe like a year or two years ago at um it was like the track and field championships where sc is like fourth place coming into the four by 100 relay and this lady is catching this girl from oregon and it's like the most inspirational oh, yeah, 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 yeah. video Dude, it's crazy yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to remember who that was again. Yeah, um, and, the, and, and the commentators are like, oh, there's no way anyone's going to catch her. And then, then they yeah, start yeah, to yeah. retract. It was like, a nasty no. race. It was, yeah, it was, yeah. it was crazy. And I love that kind yeah. of stuff, you know? And I've yeah. always had an appreciation for track and field, never good enough to really compete outside of like cross country and like my slimmer days. But there's, <laughs> like, it's a, you know, track and field athletes are like a different breed and they have like this confidence and also this, you know, this this humble humbleness to them. And, you know, everyone who listened to the good rookies podcast knows that I'm the number one Anson Henry fan, the guy who would beat Usain Bolt in a 35 meter race. Let's not go that far, but But let's talk about that. So you, so you go to school at, you know, the Washington state university. It wasn't, Mm -hmm. you weren't expecting to go there. Not that you weren't happy, but you weren't expecting to go there and you really burst onto the scene in the track and field you know, team, take me through that experience of going from really starting grade 12 in OAC to like jumping right in on the collegiate level and competing with the best of the best. Right. So I left Canada as the Canadian junior champion. So I'm the fastest junior in Canada. So I'm going to the States pretty confident about what I'm going to do in the NCAA. Yo, man, my first year I got some beatings, yo. Like I got licks. <laughs> I got beat. I got beat worse than I'd ever got beaten in my life, dog. Like it was it was really like eye opening. I mean, right. you see the you see the stats. Like I know I'm going down there running ten forty. Good for a high schooler. But you got yeah. guys down there running ten oh nine seconds. It was four tenths of a second, but I'll tell you let me tell you something. Four tenths of a second when you're at a certain level is like meters it's beatings right. so i'm i'm getting i go down there my first year and i'm getting annihilated yo so I, I didn't handle that well i wasn't really used to losing like that you know what i'm saying so sophomore year came around and i hit the fall training a lot better and i was really coming into form i, I qualified for the state ncaa championships pretty early in the season but then got injured and that season right. was a wash um then my junior year I kind of came around, I actually qualified for the NCAA championships and then going into my senior year, which is a big deal because right. you got to make, you got to qualify on a list and you're selected to go. So that was a big deal to me to disqualify. But I knew that by my senior year, I wanted to be um, all American because all American status is where you want to be able to say you, you went there and you were amongst the top eight in the entire country. Right. And it's, uh, it's prestigious, right? And I was able to do that my senior year, um, indoors and outdoors. So. Um, it was cool to be able to do that, especially as a Canadian, because they don't 
they don't really rate us, yo. Like they, <laughs> they think that we're, they, they, they think the Canadians are inferior when it comes to sports. And I mean, yeah. they do beat us in most sports, but like we have had some really good talent come out of Canada. So it was cool to be like representing Canada in the NCAA and then having some success. Um, and then, yeah, and that just ended up, you know, leading into professional career. But I, I went down there, took some licks, dog. Like, I was getting beats. <laughs> It was crazy. I was I was in the shower crying like movie scenes, you know, like just yeah. head up against the wall, sh- shower water trickling down my face. Just <laughs> wanted to come home, dog. It was, it was tough, yo, but yeah, and I'm, came around. I'm sure that's hard, right? Because you go from you have that like sort of middle school to high school mentality. You go from you know being a big fish in a small pond to all of a sudden a small fish in a very big competitive pond right and you you know you talk, you hit the nail on the head you talked about the united states sort of looking down as if canada is like the little brother sure like in hockey we have probably the best athletes of all time from you know obviously wayne gretzky number one but we we have a laundry list of canadian hockey players in the top 10 all time and then you start to look at some other sports and you're like basketball Steve Nash is probably our crown jewel right now obviously you have some up and comers and and the game of basketball is starting to elevate itself now with that trickle down effect from the United States and the NBA having some longevity now in Toronto and, and formerly Vancouver and you look at baseball and you're kind of like sure yeah we maybe have one or two guys Larry Walker might have mm. been the guy and, and and so you're starting to see after generations of having teams inside of Canada, we're now starting to develop and be there. And obviously, you know, you said it too. We got like Ben Johnson, probably one or two, top one or two most known Olympic sprinters, uh, athletes. You have, Mm -hmm. obviously, you have, um, uh, God, I'm forgetting his name right now. Donovan Bailey. Donovan Bailey. Yeah, so you have Donovan Bailey who then- he wouldn't like that. Yeah, see, put the wolf- <laughs> most, most people, most, everybody remembers Ben. Ben was the guy. No one's yeah. gonna forget Ben's name, but everyone will be uh, like the, the yeah. other one. The, I but I Donovan remember his, did his thing. He, he really he did. did his thing. But he did ben his thing. Was like not just at the Olympics, he did his thing and whooped Michael Johnson's ass at the Sky Dome. Yeah, and he called and he did something that you didn't do back then. He called out. Michael Johnson. He was like, oh, he, you know, he's sad. He's sorry. You know, he pulled up because he knew yeah. he was going to get beat. He was out there talking trash. Yeah. Just, but that was, a, that was, a, yeah, that was a, an example of um, Americans don't like when we beat them at stuff. For sure. So when we have the fastest man in the world, all of a sudden, yeah, they want to call on a 200 meter runner from right. the USA, 200 meter, 400 meter runner talking about no we got the fastest man on the world because there was no one in the hundred that was going to mess with Donovan at the time so it was it was cool that Donovan like solidified that I just wish that Michael Johnson was able to finish the race so it was like a clear victory right to beat him anyways but right you can't the fastest man in the world you can't isn't a 200 meter 400 meter guy unless he can run 100 there's some 200 meter 400 meter guys now that can run nine seconds though Michael Johnson wasn't one of them so if right. you're not able to do that, if you're not able to hit those top speeds, you're not the fastest man in the world. But they just, Americans don't like when we beat them at stuff. You know? They but don't it, like it. It's it's interesting because we're going to talk about something a little bit later too when we talk about greatest athletes of all time. And mm-hmm. LeBron James, after winning his fourth NBA championship, sort of said a similar thing about 
all of the fans of Michael Jordan. He's like, every time I have some sort of success, you know, the levels change or the, you know, the lines open up and it's like, you know, it wasn't like this before, but now I won and oh, now we're moving the goalposts. And it's interesting because it really is an American sort of mentality. You don't really see that with many other sports or many other countries doing that same thing where we now have to justify why our guy. And in this case, Michael Jordan is the people's greatest of all time. And it's sort of discrediting what a LeBron James is sort of doing. So I, I definitely agree. The Americans don't like to lose. No, it's good though. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's why they're so good at everything. You right. know what I'm saying? Like they losing isn't, it's not something that they ever want to be a part of or used to. So they're always pushing, always pushing the envelope, trying to make sure that the best, the greatest. Da, da, da. And that's, <clears throat> that's, I think that's what I appreciated the most about going down there is that it changed it, 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 I think I always had that, but it definitely, um, you know, wafted the flame. You know what I'm saying? Like it was yeah. a good environment to, to like harbor that. And, and I think that I appreciate the States for that because they make sports. It's not the only place in the world where sports culture is rich, but I'm right. just saying like, for me, that's where I got exposed to what sports culture is, what it means yeah. to really want to win, to do what it takes to win, to not, not want not be comfortable with losing you know right. what i'm saying and so it's like uh i rate them for that yo i do yeah you became a product of your environment right like you had to yeah. adapt with what was had going to. on around you had to. and and so in 2002 at the ncaa uh track and indoor track and field championships you win a bronze medal behind justin gatlin i believe and leonard scott and justin gatlin <sighs> is is probably the most well-known U.S. sort of sprinter at that sort of time right now. When it comes to American mm -hmm. boy, he's still sprinting. If I'm, if I'm not mistaken, yeah, man, he's he came, like he's he came, still going. Came second at the World Championships in yeah. 2019. It's crazy. So what was that like? Knowing okay, you're the big fish in Canada. You've now tested your medal against the other guys in the United States who are sort of the creme de la creme, and you're just you're sitting on the podium. You're sitting on the podium against a guy who's still currently running right now with a little bit of longevity. Mm. Um, it's funny. Like <clears throat> I think back to how I used to think back then. And it's like most track athletes are never, ever satisfied. They're never right. happy. So I came third there, but I always felt like I should have won. Right. And most track athletes spend track and field athletes spend most of their time spend most of the time losing because there's only one right. winner That's right and usually there's a there's a handful of people who are the best right and everyone right. else is trying to be the best so technically you want to be a dick about it like you're the, everyone else's losers right but right. but most people out there i'd say 90 percent of the people out there feel like they should be winning right. so it's it's a I never really understood or really relished in what I did till I was done. Till I was like, you know what? I actually had a decent track career, man. I, right. I did some things. <laughs> but while I'm competing, I'm not the best. So I suck. And or I, I'm not where I want to be. And that's that's a lot of track athletes just living pretty like, yo, it's a stressful life, dog. You just, <laughs> you just you just don't feel like I wish if I can go back in time, I would just embrace it more. Like, yeah, I'm gonna do my thing. You know what I'm saying? I probably would have competed better too. But it's right. just always like I gotta win, man. I just, ah, ah. You get flashes of performance, you win here and there, but it's like, 
yeah, so looking back, yeah, it was cool. Like, I, yeah, I did a little something, man. I think I think Reese Bobby, Ricky Bobby's dad, said it best: "If you're not first, you're last." That's what I'm saying, and, man, and, and that's the mentality now. But that in the middle of the movie, he was like, "What was what have, I said that? Yeah. Come on, you can be second, you can be third, can, and it was like your mind. This guy was living by that dog. He was yeah. living by that. He's like, I've been living my whole life by this. Just, Yo, yeah, that dog. was a great. That was a good will. I like that. That was a nice will impression right there. Yo, dog, now, I've seen that movie about a hundred times. Dog. That's my movie right there. Talladega Nights. One of the best of all time. One of, uh, one, of one of Will Ferrell's best. Um, uh, but, but I want to talk about some sort of controversy right now. We've always sort of heard opinions, but you know, you being in a position where you could have benefited from moving up to the silver medal because Justin. Uh, Gatlin, he tests positive for, and I want to make sure I get this right because I don't want to sully anybody's name, but he tests positive for amphetamines. And so there were talks of moving you up to the silver medal and sort of bumping everybody up. Now, in your mind, obviously you want to be first. In your mind, did you think that a cheater is a cheater? You should have moved up to the silver medal? Or were you kind of like, I didn't earn it. He was still better than me, even though he cheated or even though he tested positive. I'm, I'm okay with taking my bronze medal. You know what? I think that in track and field, and maybe across the board, but definitely in track and field, it's all about the moment of being on the podium right. in the place that you finish. So after it's all said and done, um, and, and not even only the moment of like being on the podium, but actually crossing the line in the position. Like once that moment's passed, it's kind of like, yeah, like, what's the point? Yeah. I don't know if everyone would agree with me. I think a lot of people would agree, though, that the moment is what makes the moment the moment. So right. once it's gone, like upon reflection, if they were to like give me the silver, okay, cool. But I mean, it's it, yo, the I, I got a bronze medal at the Pan American Games. Right. Originally, I crossed the line in fourth place. So right. I ended up getting my medal sent to me in the mail. So I'm not the same. Yeah. Not the same. I, op I remember I opened it up in the bathroom and I was <laughs> looking at the metal, looking in the mirrors. Not the same. Dog. It's not a podium. It's not. Right. A, I'm not in my uniform no more. Ain't no one seen me with right. it. It's like it's just a reminder that I didn't get the moment. So right. I don't know. It's I don't know. It, it was. It was cool. It would be cool if they bumped me up. Cool. But right. I'm not really like yo. Make sure you bump me up, man. Because I right. I'm some kind of yeah. I really wasn't even upset to be honest. I wasn't upset about the whole him getting caught and then I should have been this or even when I ended up getting my bronze. As I wasn't mad because right. track's a tough sport, yo. So for sure. I mean, 100% now you get to represent Canada on sort of that international level in the sense of, you know, you competed at the Commonwealth game, the Pan Pan American Games, you even competed at the 2008 Olympics in Beijing. And so you're really getting to put Canada sort of on the map. You still hold Washington State University records for the 60 meter, the no, 100 the 60 meter. Broke. The 60 got broke. Oh, is it did? Oh, the 60 man, got broke. I still got but, the 100, still got the 200. You know who broke the 60 meter record? Have you seen that video that went viral of that kid jumping over the, the really high hurdle? Literally, he's it, doing box jumps. Is it the one that you posted? And I was like, is this guy on with springs? Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. Jeez. So I, I put him out there. He's from, he, he went to Washington state and he wow. got the 60 meter record. That's the dude. Yeah. So he got my 60 meter record, Jeez. but it's cool. He's a cool kid. Yo. So 
Because it, it's interesting because, you know, track and field records are starting to fall a little bit quicker now, right? We talk about the footwear. We talk about just the way that athletes are built. And your 100-meter record and 200-meter record still after this amount of time, and it's not as if, you know, you were out of university, you know, like 30 years ago. But, you know, if a, if a record falls after two three four years that's kind of to be expected nowadays as people are starting to build themselves better you started at you know you said grade 12 grade 13 but some athletes are being bred at grade one you know early they're on training regimens once they sort of hit those okay he's this tall he weighs this much we anticipate him to grow in length this much he is perfect for the 100 or the 800 or the 1600 And so what, do you, what kind of pride do you feel that, you know, you're removed from university and yet you still hold these, I would call them prestigious records at your alma mater? It's it's cool to still have that, you know what I'm saying? Because I'm still, I guess it still connects me to that time. Right. Because usually if you, have, <laughs> you got a record, once the record's broken, it really solidifies that like your time's passed, you know, like right. it's, it's done. So <laughs> It kind of la- it allows me to linger around a little while or still have like some sort of connection to that time. But um, records get broken, you know, so I'm not expecting it to be there forever. I mean, Fair enough. But yeah, of course, man. Like, I, I love having my name in the books, you know what I'm saying? I, I hope that, uh, I hope it stays there forever. But <laughs> um, well, I'm not betting on it. No, fair enough. And like I said, you know, records are starting to fall a little bit quicker nowadays. Now, you get out of track and field, right? So you you represent your country on multiple levels, the Commonwealth Games, as I said, Pan American Games, as well as the Olympics in Beijing. What is your transition? Because when we look at like hockey or baseball or soccer, you know, we see sort of like what's next for the athletes. They go and they become a coach or they go and they help out their grassroots games. What was it that sort of took you in the next gen, the next step in your career right so back during them times like if you were an all-american like if you look at the 100 meter final at the ncaa championships you look at those eight guys and you just those are eight people who are going to get shoe contracts basically those are going to okay. be the, the pros basically it's changed a little bit now it's not as simple as that but at that right. time you're in those the final eight you're lined up there you're getting a, you're getting a deal so most people are you know, just waiting for the agents to start knocking on the doors. Now, agents were hollering at me before I actually made the final, but they expected right. me to make the final. They expected me to be moving on to the next level. And I was kind of, I was coming out of college just when Donovan Bailey was about to retire. So right. it's all about who's going to, you know, take over the Canadian throne now. It was me and this other guy named Pierre Brown, this other guy named Nicholas Macrosaneros, like the three Canadian guys. Nick wasn't in NCAA, Pierre was. So it was just like, okay, and, and Canada's like known for speed and, you know, it's yeah. all marketing and stuff. So it's like, we were kind of like brought into that world from agents and then shoe companies jump on. And that's usually what is going to secure some sort of income for you. Right. along with government funding and stuff like that. And you get a few other sponsors here and there. The shoe the shoe deal is the big one, though. And then that'll right. kind of allow you to live and train and really pursue 
Uh, it's not fun and games no more. I mean, that simply wasn't fun and games, but right. when you're pros, legit, you're, you're managing yourself. You got to handle your own money. You got to be able to, you got to get under, you got to be a nine second sprinter. Now there's no messing around. Right. You got to be able to, and you're talking about medals now and everyone's going for those medals. So it becomes very serious, very quick. So that's basically what happens. You just end up having strong college performances agents pick you up get you a shoot deal and then you know you try and hold on to that shoot deal as long as as long as you can you know just gotta keep running fast <laughs> don't run fast they'll take that shit away quick you know it waste no time so that, running for your life legitimately <laughs> you're just always running like run force yeah. run for real. now how do you then end up from you know trying to get that shoe contract to being you know one of the top runners and trying to be that nine second sprinter to working with CBC. Okay, so it's a funny story actually because I I wanted to go to a third Olympics 2012 and okay. I was I was actually running pretty well. I would have been 33 at that point. So I'm running pretty well, right? And um go to nationals, I win my first round. Go and leading into the finals, I'm like I'm cramping, my hamstrings are cramping. I, I don't know what it was whatever it was, but I'm, my hamstring is, I can't move without my hamstring cramping. So right. I knew I wasn't really going to be able to run in the final. I ran in the final, ran some garbage, didn't make the team. I was supposed to. So once I didn't go, CBC hollered at me. It was like, hey, I mean, you're still in town. You want to come and do some commentary just for, at first I was kind of like, yeah, I want to, really want to talk about the people over there when I want to be there. <laughs> right. I was like, you know what, let me just go do a little thing and just, so I went to the building and then uh, it went well. It went a lot better than I expected it to. And I right. realized that like, yeah, I kind of, this kind of cool. Like, I could do this. So I was, uh, I went to the staffing director. I was like, hey man, like, I used to run track. Like, just put me on TV. Like, yeah, <laughs> it doesn't work like that, buddy. You're going to have to go back to school and then you're going to have to get some sort of background and you can come back and we can talk about it. So then I ended up going to this program, uh, it's Centennial, where a lot of the, actually there was a few CBC employees, senior employees that were professors there. Oh, wow. And nice. um, I did pretty well there. And I realized once I was there, I didn't only want to be on TV. I wanted, I, I realized I like producing, I like editing. I, like, right. I realized I had like storytelling capabilities. And then one thing led to another. They took two interns to CBC. I was one of them. And then I was the one that that uh, they kept. So then nice. I just I've been there. So really, me, if I didn't get injured at nationals and went to the Olympics, I wouldn't be in media right now. Right, it wouldn't have happened because that's the only reason I ended up in the building that time because right. I didn't make the team. And they were like, "Well, you want to come talk some track?" So it kind of worked out. It changed my life, yeah. And really, I thought that was the end of the world when I got injured and didn't make the team. I was like, right. But. And it's, it's interesting because, like, we see nowadays more, more than ever, you know, former athletes and top stars in their sports become analysts or reporters. I mean, Tony Romo, who had a pretty good career, didn't – I wouldn't say he had the accolades or, or, or Super Bowls or anything like that, has turned into one of the most highly recruited analysts for football because of his – ability to call you know seven out of ten plays from the booth before they even happen mm -hmm. and so 
it's also different, right? And I and I can understand, you know, them seeing the star in you because it's very different to hear the perspective of an athlete from a former athlete than someone who just watches athletes for a living because you're able to break down different things. Oh, you know, he slipped off this. This is what he's going to look to do in this situation. Right. You know, watch right. as he comes around the break at this is Mark. This is where he fully, you know, hits his stride. So you're able to give a more colorful description as to what's going on. I agree with that. I agree with that. But a lot of athletes feel like that's all you need and that right. being an analyst or a journalist isn't a skill. Like there's a, it's a skill For to, sure. to, to develop the research and convey the message in a concise manner that's going to fit within a time frame that's necessary for the production team in the control room. And it's, it, it's not just, you know, sports and you played it, so just jump on TV. It's not, yeah. so you can't really, I don't, I developed a real appreciation for just right. analysts and journalists who weren't athletes because they're able to find the passion in the sport, find the, and find, have, find an understanding of what's going on, even though they haven't been on the track, on the field, on the, on the rink, anything like they, they really have to study it. it and, and being able to convey the message is an art form, you know, like it's a real talent. Yeah. And I think that, um, I, I like the fact that athletes do it though, because um, it does give that perspective that on in sport perspective, but I like when they have an actual background within journalism because right. there's more to tell the story than just knowing the story. You know what I'm saying? Like just because you know the story doesn't mean that you're going to tell the story well. So um, I think that um, I, I appreciate journalists as well who haven't been on there it's cool it is cool I'm, I, obviously i think it's cool because i've been in the sports that i could speak about sports but right. i'm saying like there's some really like talented journalists out there and i haven't been out there you know what i'm saying like so yeah appreciate that o though only Respect only took that. only took 30 minutes for us to again start <laughs> to disagree on things here i am talking about one thing and you were so polite <laughs> I agree. However, and what's that? However, I'm like, oh boy, here we go. Anson's about to put me in my place. It's Again. funny that didn't, that however didn't even work in my favor. I'm actually talking against you. Were speaking on my behalf, you. Know? But, Listen, just, but, yeah. but that's the humble. That's the humble guy that you are. Again, you know, in the in the in the Good Rookies podcast when we first connected, you know, it was brought up. We were talking about Usain Bolt and his speed and how the 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 idea, the conception was that he wasn't a fast starter that he really picked up a stride, but his stride as he went, but then you broke it down and it's a, that's very misleading. That's not actually true. If you pay uh. attention, he's beating guys early on. It just doesn't look like it. And I said, nah, you know what? First 40 meters, Anson would have beat him, put it on the record. That's my hot <sighs> take for the day. And you're like, nah, man, I can't, I can't happen, that. Man. Wouldn't <laughs> happen. I but, don't know if I said this on the podcast or not. I just wish I got to experience him as either, an athlete younger or like athlete like now i can enjoy looking back right. at some of his feats but sure. i was like in it right so you didn't i'm get like to appreciate it at the time no I'm, I'm 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 a part of the licks like i'm the, <laughs> i'm the like the off the wave of people behind him I'm like yeah i'm one of them guys which is cool now to just say yeah i was on the track with that guy but at the time like i said everyone feels like they should be the best so right. they it's nothing 
There's nothing really fun about that. But as a child, seeing Usain Bolt, it must be pretty cool, like having that kind of icon to admire and be able to like, oh, you yeah. know, mimic and dream about being and stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's, it's a really it's, good figure, man. It's funny you bring up that perspective. So I want to go two different ways here. Number one, I just want to make a point of Usain Bolt's like the Michael Phelps of track and field. Michael Phelps just dominated no rhyme or reason was just domination the most decorated olympic athlete just found a way to be better found a way to have longevity in the sport when the sport said that you weren't going to have that sort of longevity he found a way to make it work and you know then you talked about it being appreciative of the situation however you were in it and there's another guy another top canadian athlete who's sort of in your boat however He's got the continuance now that Usain Bolt is, I believe he is retired or is going to retire or is not competing the same amount, but a Canadian athlete in Andre DeGrasse who has gone toe-to-toe with Usain Bolt over the last, you know, four to, I would say six, maybe even eight years, correct me if I'm wrong, what, what do you think this time for Andre DeGrasse means what do you think does he have the opportunity to say listen Usain's not here this is my time to sort of take that next step as an analyst what are your thoughts um (laughs) Andre like he has it man like he has it (laughs) like he um raw talent um he has the the bliss of ignorance to not really understand the magnitude of the stuff he's doing. Right. He um he performs better under pressure. But a lot of people perform worse. And we're talking in the hundred. Well, okay, all across track and field, but I always sound favorable to the hundred. But I'm just saying, if you're talking in the hundred or two hundred, when nerves creep in and you're losing hundredths or tenths yeah because of nerves like that's that's life changing that's sure. you're not even yourself so if you could just compete at the level you're supposed to in pressure situations that's great if you compete better in pressure situations like you're meddling and right. he does that he just he has the competitive gene and um he's he hasn't really scratched the surface as far as like his potential. He's he's still kind of frail. Doesn't really lift weights. It's, he hasn't really got his grown man strength yet. Um, <laughs> he's still kind of learning the sport. Right. And, but he's just fast, yo. And he just, he, 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 but he competes really well and he has raw ability and he's going to be, he's going to be he, really when Bolt, uh, in Bolt's final year, when he came third at the World Championships, Andre got injured the week leading into that World Championships. Andre would have won. It was to wow. me, it was hands down. He would have won. But I mean, Andre's going to be an Olympic champion. But he has like the tools, and he's got like appeal. You know what I'm saying? He got oh for sure he does. Tor- Toronto man. You know what I'm saying? He got <laughs> he's got he's got a swag about him. Like he's got all the tools. You know what I'm saying? So I think it's cool that Canada is able to have an athlete like that because he's going to be. Um, you know, he's going to be one of those crossover athletes that right. are are like they're known in track, but they're just known in, like he's known around Toronto just because. For sure, he is. And so, yeah. as a track athlete, 
usually it had to be Donovan had to be the best. You had to win the gold medal to be have this type of notoriety. But I just got right. that, you know what I'm saying, that appeal. So got all the tools, man. So it's cool that Canada is, is able to have an athlete like that. For sure. Yeah, shout out to Andre DeGrasse. Uh, yeah. Good, great follow on Instagram. Like you said, he's very marketable. He, the stuff he's putting out is, is, is great. Um, definitely, you know, you know, maybe a future episode. We're going to get Andre DeGrasse on here. And we'll talk, cool, talk about the Olympics. Uh, yeah, hopefully yeah, yeah. that's the game plan now. That's the game plan. Yeah, but yeah, I mean... Yeah. I mean, we, we, we saw it. I mean, we, there are some pretty famous pictures of, you know, Usain Bolt and Andre DeGrasse going sort of toe to toe. Yes. Usain Bolt's kind of like looking back at him, but Andre doesn't have those like caught in the, in the headlights look that most people get before they even start, right? They're intimidated against the guy that they're going up against who's creamed everybody and everyone's picking to win the medal and you're just going to lose no matter what. And Andre DeGrasse like, nah, like. If he's going to win, he's going to beat me. But I'm not losing before we even start. Yeah. And he's got that sort of swag. But he's got that like Canadian, I'm a nice guy, but that American sort of, I'm going to still try to beat your ass right now. Mm-hmm. You know like, he went to SC, right? I, I do know that he went to okay. SC. I do know that he went to SC. Because I, yeah. I think that was the first time that I saw one of his races. Now, at that point, I think he was... He was either graduating or he had he had left SC and it was kind of one of those like where did he start? And I saw I saw the colors and I was like, that's my guy. I can I can I can stand behind anybody <laughs> who goes to SC. I'll stand behind them. Doesn't yeah. matter if you're first or last, but like Andre DeGrasse, and then he ends up being a Canadian who is trying to, you know, restore Canada to glory in that, you know, one hundred and two hundred uh, yeah. meter discipline. And so you said it, you know, it's the hot take. I'm going to save the clip. You said you expect him to be uh, an Olympic champion yes, at some yeah. point. And uh, there's only two sprinters in the world who were able to make the 100 meter at the last world championships to be in the 100 meter final and the 200 meter final. Andre is one of them from Canada. And the other one's Aaron Brown, also from Canada. So to be in yeah. the, both finals is huge. Also a USC guy, Aaron Brown. Listen. So nine second sprinter, nineteen second. They both got some real potential. The thing is, Andre, in big moments, rises. Aaron's right. kind of trying to find his, find his um, his inner voice to keep to guide him through that those moments right now. And I mean, he's still he's got some time, talents there. But um, yeah, man, two USC guys, man, leading Canada. She should be happy about that, man. What, what more do we need to say? I mean, we could just end the podcast right now. Here we go. USC, number one. But we're going to continue to dive into some things because there's some other stuff I'd like to talk to you about. Now, it's interesting because, you know, you said you started track and field so late, but your number one sport or your main sport growing up was basketball. Basketball, yeah. And so I would be remiss to, you know, not bring up basketball as, as we've had very many, you know, conversations offline about this. What did it mean to you to to see your hometown team bring home a championship for the first time in, in franchise and NBA history. Okay. (laughs) I'm going to lose a lot of, I'm going to lose a lot of people here. I was extremely happy because it was Toronto, right? Okay. I gotta be honest though. It didn't feel the same. Um, because I think I took, the whole DeRozan situation a little bit differently than most. Right. I really believe that we would have been able to win with the team we had already. 
That's just what I feel like. We didn't, okay. I mean, we took the safer route. You know what I'm saying? Well, how are you, sure. you going to pass up on Kawhi? It's tough. I'm not saying, I'm just saying, I feel like Kawhi landed an amazing situation with us. We had an amazing developing sporting cast that was ready for a star. I feel like DeRozan was a developing star. Um, and, and, you know, I, I can't say I was a huge fan of Casey, but if you, if you already get rid of the coach, I mean, getting rid of the, your star player, I didn't think we needed to. So I think right. that I, I had no attachment to Kawhi. Kawhi was just right. some guy that came in for a year and I knew he was leaving. So as far as me being super happy for Kawhi and feeling a real tie to the team, the, the only team, the only player that had been there through the grind really was Lowry. And I was happy right. for him. But a lot of those players, I think after him, everyone else had been there for maybe three years the most. So it's a lot of new, fresh faces. I would like to see DeMar and Kyle do it. And I feel like they could have, you know what I'm saying? Right. LeBron was out of the way. Everyone, Pascal <laughs> was developing. Van yeah. Vliet was healthy for this playoffs. Um, um, I mean, the team was just coming together, I feel yep. like. I feel like it was... We didn't have to go that route. So we won. I was happy. And I mean, the city was happy, but I don't know, man. It just didn't hit the same way it would have if the squad originally that we had had won it. So it was, yeah, we won. Yeah, but <laughs> I, mean, I mean, come on. If we if the same team, you don't think we could have got through those those Golden State Warriors, you know what I'm saying, with with barely anybody still left on the team. We'd beaten Milwaukee a few, few seasons in a row already with, yeah. with Giannis and everything. Like, we're just going to get by LeBron. Kawhi didn't even have to go through LeBron. <laughs> it's true. It's you know true. And, I mean, we we agree on this. We agree very much so on this because I think Kawhi was fortunate to come into a culture that Masai had helped build and put the roots in there where he was more of a final piece as opposed to the main reason that Toronto was able to right. walk. And DeMar helped build. DeMar helped build that too. And so he's an SC guy, right? There we go again. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, uh, I'm just saying, man. Like it was, it was. I don't. And I was, don't feel like Kawhi came here and won us a championship or saved us. Like he had a pretty, a much easier path to that championship than DeRozan had. We we went six games versus the Cavs in um 2015 or 2016. Yep. I can't remember. Whatever yep. year LeBron ended up, they ended up beating that 73 win team. Yeah. So that's the team we lost to. Like we're doing something. Like we lost to a championship team. That's right. So it's, it's and like if if Kawhi came here and busted through LeBron and beat a Warrior squad that had everybody healthy. Okay, I could be like, yeah, thank you, Kawhi. But that's not what happened at all. It's, especially when you look at their record without Kawhi during the regular season, right? I mean. We're we're in agreement. Listen, I think I think he played an important role. If we're not going to say he was the skilled player who put them over the top and was the reason that they won, the one thing that I think, if you ask anybody from that Raptor team, was a level of business like mentality right. that he brought to the Toronto Raptors, and we saw that throughout the playoffs last year, and we got to see a little bit of that this season pre bubble where they were more about their business of we're here to compete we're here to win this is our goal nothing else matters and they lost a little bit of that like charismatic toronto feel but they were determined and they knew what was at stake and they knew especially this year what was at stake because 
everyone was going to say that they only won because of Kawhi Leonard. Right. And they right. really had something to prove this year. And I honestly, I truly believe in my heart of hearts, no COVID, Toronto was the best team in the yes. NBA yes. pre-bubble. Yes. And in the bubble, they were the best team until Miami's work-like mentality just sort of took over. I, by all means, listen, I'm not trying to hate on my Lakers. They won the championship. I, I do not think that they were the best team I think they found ways they to it. win. Yeah. They found, yeah, they found ways to win, but I think the best teams were in the Eastern Conference, Toronto Raptors, Miami Heat, 1A, 1B. And I think, like I said, pre-COVID, I think Toronto's in the NBA Finals again. Totally agree. Totally and agree. have a chance to prove people wrong. And now, unfortunately, we run into the business side of sports where – we likely aren't able to run it back to really be able to see what happens. And we're going to have to adapt and see where Toronto goes in 2020, the 2021 <sighs> season. Uh, it's tough, man. It's tough. This is my issue with my issue with us getting rid of DeRozan too. Like I don't want to go back to sucking again, man, because yeah. I'm going to support the team regardless, but I'm right. supporting a team that ain't playing well. And I, I wasn't ready for that life. And we, 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 we built our way out of that life. For sure. Like, and, and, and DeMar led us through that. And I, I feel like no one appreciates that. It's just like, we'll get rid of him, get quiet, let's just win. And then all of a sudden, Kawhi's here, we win. We got all these Raptor fans that came out of nowhere that are obviously <laughs> going to disappear now. Yeah. But the real Raptor fans like myself, and I mean, you're a Laker fan, but I'm a diehard Raptor fan. I'm the one that's going to be sticking with them when they start losing again. Yeah. No. All, all the Fairweathers are going to come back if we <laughs> land somebody. That's so lame. Like, I, it's, I'm not a fan of that, yo. That's why I didn't, I didn't feel... I didn't feel what I should have felt when we won the championship because I didn't I didn't feel that tied to the team. I didn't feel if DeMar got a fair shake either because sure you make the trade, but there was no guarantee that Kawhi was going to lead us to a championship. We could have and and it, it it comes down to two two things. Kawhi Leonard injury. If he ends up playing half the season or doesn't play at all, it's not a good look. The only reason people are praising it is because they won the championship. Exactly. However, you know, we talked about, you know, the the credit that Nick Nurse is getting. Right. And how he is loved by the Toronto fan base can do no wrong, even after the, the Raptors end up losing this year. However, he's won rim out in game seven against Philly. If they go on and lose that game in, you know, overtime to Philadelphia, it's a complete like history for the Raptors. Totally. 100 percent. You know, and it's. Yeah. The, you know, he doesn't, he did it for such a short time and like Kawhi Leonard came into a situation that had already been created. He wasn't the builder of the success for the Toronto Raptors. Sure, he came up with different schemes and he was able to adapt. But again, he's inheriting all of these pieces. He's not out here sort of putting his stamp on this team saying, oh, this is a Nick Nurse Toronto Raptor team, and that's right. why they won the NBA championship. Right. It's no, it's no, no. It's he landed, he landed a, an amazing position too. Is this I don't know, man. The them them winning makes it I mean makes it seem like okay, it was that was the obviously the best decision because yeah. they won, but really is like so many things happened in order for that to happen. Like the no LeBron factor is a huge thing. Yep, for sure. And then the the a warrior squad that's being led by Draymond. Like, yeah. It's like, come on, man. Like, no one's seeing this. 
Dude, people really feel like, oh, thank God Kawhi came here and changed the culture for us because we would have been lost without him. Like, come on, man. Come on. Look at the path this guy had to take. No one's seen this? I don't know, man. Like, uh, I don't know. It's it's like I'm alone when I'm talking about this stuff, man. No, you know, I I I'm on I'm on board. Like I, I totally get it. And you know, unfortunately, there's no way to sort of redo things. Like it is what it is. But I think, for instance, if you look at like a Frank Vogel for the LA Lakers, yes, you inherit arguably the best player in the world in LeBron James, and you get Anthony Davis and you trade for him, and then you sort of put this mix match you know team together of jared dudley's and kyle kuzma and and all these guys javel mcgee <clears throat> javel mcgee mm-hmm. dwight howard but if you look at the impact that he had on that team if you were to say the lakers have anthony davis and lebron james and they're scoring 140 points a game you'd be like oh yeah i get it two offensive juggernauts but what won them the nba championship was being able to play defense defense is crazy is frank vogel's Bread yeah. and butter. He said, listen, yeah. he is the defensive-minded coach. He did it in Indiana. And that's what he instilled on the Toronto Raptors or on the LA Lakers. Mm-hmm. And I think he had a much bigger impact with inherently a, a good team. Not a great team, but a good team. Because in any matchup outside of maybe the Blazers, if you were to take the 10 best players in any series that the Lakers played, Anthony Davis and LeBron James are going to be numbers one to four. And then from five to 10, it's going to be all of the other team. Yeah. Jimmy Jimmy Butler, Tyler Hero, um, Goran Dragic, yeah. Bam Adebayo. Like, I mean, and then you have like Kyle Kuzma. Then you have Dwight Howard. Then you have KCP. But really, it is, they're the two best players. And yeah. the system that he instills is the reason the Lakers found a way to be successful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's my take. If, yeah, it was, no, it was, I give Vogel credit. Like, I don't feel like he landed, he he, he didn't land. Okay, well, some may debate this, but I feel like what landed in Nurse's lap was a lot more than what landed in Vogel's lap. To For me, sure. I feel like Vogel, you get the two, okay, two amazing players, but the rest of the squad isn't that impressive. Uh, like, they're, yeah, they're not really turning heads. So, and if one of those players gets injured, though, that's trouble. If LeBron something happened to LeBron or something happened to AD, they're not winning. They're not For winning sure. any more games. Like when 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 um, it looked like AD's ankle turned or something. It was and, his uh, heel. Yeah, he came down on his yeah, heel. Game five. Yo, I was like, yo, if if he's not yep. playing game six, <laughs> yo, they're not winning. They will not win. I was sweating. So, I was yeah. sweating. Yeah, but he managed the team well, man, and they were and the defense was crazy. Like, really, it was the defense that was like, especially yeah. against Miami. You had you got they opened the floor up so much, and they were still able to you know keep keep the threes down, and yeah, they kept Bam under control. Jimmy was tired. I mean, he yeah, he busted his ass the whole playoffs, dog. So that's all they had left. But yeah, it was cool, man. It was it was cool. Yeah. It was cool it asterisk was- championship. <clears throat> Oh, stop it. Why? I thought we no, were going to get uh, through Did it. I say it out loud? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I, yeah, I yeah. thought it. I didn't know it was going to come out of my mouth. Yeah, yeah, I, I see you, I see you reading your notes over there. I see you. Now, this is one of the things <laughs> that came up because I had sent an, I had sent a, an Instagram post to Anson about, uh, you know, 19, what was it? 19% of a people polled 
said that you know the championship for t- the season in the NBA should have an asterisk. And Only nineteen though. I I can't remember if it was higher or if it was lower. That but poll it must was- have been taken in L.A. <laughs> After they won the championship, somewhere else. Yeah, I think they should take that pull somewhere else. Only nineteen percent. But it's interesting because you know, then I brought up the examples of you know shortened seasons due to lockout or to strike or to Olympics or whatever, where you weren't able to play the games. There was no asterisks. There was never any talk of of it. It was that you know that's the hand you were dealt, and that's what you had to deal with. And and then I cited what players said. Players said this was one of the hardest grinds that they ever had to go through being away from family, being away from all of these things and sort of being locked in, in a bubble. It was mentally draining. And we saw players like, you know, Paul George who talked about the, the mental side of the game really, you know, wreaking havoc on them. And you were here. None of that nonsense. You were like, no, it's, it's different. Now I want you to sort of explain your take on why you think there should be, an asterisk or you know maybe okay. you don't actually believe it but you're just like giving me a hard time but you know what would be the reason for an asterisk well i like poking at laker fans but <laughs> being honest here i don't think there's anything really that bad with an asterisk it's i think that's what it, people hear asterisk they're like whoa 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 hold on a second no we they look at what they had to go through and look at what and i understand it was a very difficult championship to win right. and i and it was an amazing feat. And I give them credit for being the team to come out on top in these adverse conditions. That wasn't, that was not easy. Okay. So an asterisk doesn't take away from that. Where I'm coming from is there's never been a season like this. Right. And we know that every season has 82 games that teams and coaches and players have to manage their lives through. You have to build towards the playoffs. You get to the playoffs. And once you get to the playoffs, you apply strategies that, you, that you've that you learned throughout the season. So it's a process. It's the path that you have to follow. Okay. That's, that's just what it is. Now, this was not that. It just wasn't. Okay. And also, you take the crowd factor out of it. You know what I'm saying? That, that helps LeBron's free throws. That helps a lot of people's, um, you know, pressure situations. I mean, a lot of people play better in scrimmages or practices because they don't have to deal with, you know, sure. all the eyes within the stadium. You know what right. I'm saying? Yeah, you know, a lot, you know, millions of people are watching on TV, but it ain't the same. Like you're just in there playing ball. So a lot of people, it's totally different basketball, totally different okay. atmosphere, totally different basketball, totally different season, totally different process. Now, if you look at it from that standpoint and it's not the same as the typical season, the asterisk is just stating that this was different. That's okay. that's all. That's the only place I'm coming from. It was just a different season. Now, is it less of a feat? Arguable. I wouldn't go as far as saying, oh, it was it was it wasn't didn't mean anything because it was hard. It was right. very difficult. So, but the asterisk doesn't mean that it wasn't difficult. It just means that it was a very different season. And I don't see how. I mean, I know it's your team, so you're going to defend them. So you can defend them to the death. But I'm just saying, I don't see how you could say that it just wasn't a different season. Like, it was different. This is this was an abnormal season. And and can you confidently say that they would have won without this COVID break? Um. So if you if you remember what's going on in the Western Conference at that time, Milwaukee is starting in the East to start to lose a lot of games. 
and the Lakers are starting to roll. Like they're encroaching on probably not catching, but getting closer to securing home court advantage throughout the Western Conference final for sure. They pulled away from the Lakers and getting close to a Milwaukee and they were finding their groove. I would make the argument that there are other teams that benefited from a layoff because they had some of their players who were injured able to come back and be healthy for the bubble. And so do you feel like the Clippers were kind of finding their groove too, though? No, I felt like the Clippers were like, they're maybe not as dysfunctional as they ended the season, but at that point, at that point they had maybe played four games with their actual lineup of all of this. Cause remember Pat Beverly, he gets injured and the Kawhi is doing load management and Paul George is kind of in and out of the lineup. And I think they had a better chance to, get some continuity. I don't think they ever really did, but they had a better chance to get it through the bubble to play some warm-up games. Obviously Pat Bev got injured again. Right. Um but I think at that time the Lakers had just beaten the Clippers after losing I think the first two matchups. Right. So again, now I think the Lakers are gaining momentum towards their push to I was I was afraid this the break honestly was going to hurt the Lakers more than it was going to help. Really? Them. I really do. I thought that the Lakers were just such on a, on a roll and a lot of other teams were sort of floundering. The Raptors were doing really good. Milwaukee was kind of doing not so great. Uh, CJ McCollum, I believe got injured for the Blazers. They were even out of the playoffs. Like they're not even, they're probably not even making the playoffs if, if this continues, but you know, they, they get a little break. So I feel like, I feel like the Lakers were in a good spot. Um, I don't know if there was a team that was in a better spot in the West that would have knocked them off. But you could make the argument for like a Toronto Raptors who I think, like I said, pre bubble pre COVID mm-hmm. was like the number one team in, in the NBA, just the way that they were playing. They were playing just incredible ball right. all season. Right. So that's, that's what I would say. I mean, it, it's, you know, like you said, I'm a Laker fan, but I think if, if you paid attention to the season and, and what was going on, the little nuances, I think the Lakers were in a better spot where they were start, finally starting to get themselves. You don't, be, you don't think LeBron benefited from a bit of rest? Oh, for sure. I mean, obviously he benefited from a, from rest. And same with AD, who historically hasn't been healthy throughout his entire NBA career. He goes Yo. through stretches of injury. But again if all things are considered, maybe they get injured, maybe they slow down, but the, I feel like momentum was on their side as they were progressing through their season, as they started okay. to get some continuity of okay. what their team was going to be. That, that would be my, you're thought. a good fan, man. You're a good fan. <laughs> so momentum was on their side. Cool. I believe so. But the fact that it's debatable. Sure. I mean, but okay. So, you so put if, an asterisk. So would you Not put an asterisk? away? <laughs> I'm taking away from it, but it's the fact that it's debatable. Would you put an asterisk beside all major sports in 2020? Would you be cool with that? Yeah. Every every sport yeah. gets an asterisk because yeah. because baseball 60 game season and not even that they had to go to winning percentage in order to yep. be able to determine playoffs. The NFL is the giant shit show right now. They're likely going to go the same mode if they have to cancel more games for teams that are testing positive more than once and having games canceled. The NHL moved to a bubble. They didn't finish their 82-game season, so they were very similar, took the crowd out of it. Um, So in uniformity, would you just say, you know, 2020 is the year of the asterisk, 
doesn't take away, but it just says it was a different time. Absolutely. Everything, everything. And, okay. and I think that that's what a lot of people, the, the main kickback I think is just because they feel like when you say asterisk, you're taken away from the accomplishment. For sure. You're not taken away yeah. from the accomplishment. It's cool. It's amazing that you were able to still do your thing through that, but it it's the conditions are totally different. And and it's not even like they're slightly different. They're totally different, right? right. So you got you have to in, in every sport. I think you have to put an asterisk, which is cool. I'm just I'm glad sports came back, and I'm glad we still right. got some sort of entertainment. Bubble basketball was actually better than I expected it to be. Oh, um, yeah. But it was. I mean, just just you you have to put an asterisk on it because this is unprecedented, man. I I, I think I think the connotation of like an asterisk. It just again it more often than not previous to this, it was a negative symbol. It was seen as to take away. So yeah. maybe maybe if we look at something that's not an asterisk, but some sort of it, italicized champion. Make it, make it look gold, different. Like yeah, maybe, I don't but know. I, but I, th- I think when we, when we use asterisk, we, th- we think of something negative. So immediately, you know, everyone's back at something like, no, we can't take away, which I get what you're saying. It's an acknowledgement things were different but not taking away like it was any harder to potentially win based on the circumstances. That's all I'm saying, man. I like it. That's okay. You know what? It's yeah, man. Congrats. Congrats (laughs) on your championship. I'm I'm just happy. I I won a bet with my father, which we made uh, early in the year. And he's a Clipper. He was, he was a Laker fan then became a Clipper fan For real? once they traded Shaq. So it was like, that was like a UCA, USC guy going to UCLA. And we made a bet. Loser had to buy uh, a jersey of the other team for the other person, depending on who made it further. And I was happy that night to, to send him a message being like, white <laughs> NBA champion LeBron James jersey so I can hang it in the back. Yeah, so. man. Clippers, <laughs> Clippers fans had it rough, yo. That's embarrassing, uh-huh. man. It's embarrassing for the Clippers to have got out like that, man. That's okay. You know, they're they're an embarrassing franchise. Like it's, you heard me hey, on the podcast, good rookies. I, yeah, you were pretty happy about it. That was there yeah, ain't were, no love lost. Sinisterly very no. happy. But I it further proved my point as far as like Kawhi's a great player. Cool. Yep. But he needed us. He landed sure. a spot with us. One hundred percent. We we he didn't bring nothing to we we brought something to him. We worked yeah. together to get that championship. So he, he didn't come here and save us. We had a squad. We had a squad. He landed in a squad. He landed in a culture. Yep. So it's like, it just proved my point. As and far as that same, was concerned. It's the same culture that Pop built in San Antonio. Yeah. Prior to Kawhi being there, as he did for so many years. Yeah. Sai built the culture in Toronto for so many years. And the Clippers did their best to put a hodgepodge team together, which if you look at it outside of Pat Bev, Paul George, and Kawhi Leonard, most of that team were bought out after the trade deadline, weren't even guys on their team. They had no cap space, so they had to wait for guys like, uh, uh, I'm trying to think, uh, not Markeith, but uh, Marcus Morris had to yeah. was, was a buyout guy. Yeah. And they built their bench like to be able to do it because they were just trying their best to put different pieces together and thinking, yeah. oh, we just have this name talent's going to win us a championship. Yeah. Yeah. Nah, man. Ain't, ain't happening. Nah, man. Not happening. Yeah. But listen, I know, I know, I know we're getting, listen, I know we're getting close to uh, having to wrap this up. I do want to get to a few things before we 
we let you go. Now, number one, I want just a very quick take. Listen, obviously the Olympics did not happen this year in Tokyo, and we are hopeful that it will happen in some capacity in 2021, that it, our fingers are crossed. As a guy who is tuned in to Team Canada, you know, who are like the three top names we need to pay attention to for Canadian athletes who we hope to have some success at the 2021 Tokyo Olympic Games. Okay, so three, okay, three names. Okay, so I'm going to combo okay. Andre DeGrasse and Aaron Brown just because they're on the same sure. events. Okay. Um, you know, like I said, only two sprinters in the world that were able to run the 100 and the 200 at the world championships and make the finals in both. So medal threats in both of those events, right? Love it. Um, Alicia Newman in the pole vault. She okay. actually, um, she could have medaled if she didn't have as many misses at the last world championships, but she's in the mix. She's always ranked within the top five in the world. That's uh, someone that should be looked out for. Um, pole vault is actually a pretty interesting event too. It's pretty, pretty fun to watch. A lot of people don't realize, but a lot of track and field events, if you really just take some time to actually watch and understand what's going on, it's, they're all pretty exciting events. And sure. also, under the radar, which shouldn't be under the radar, and I didn't even bring him up in, um, I did a, I did a video of Canadians to watch. I, I didn't put him in the video just because he's, he's been injured for a couple of years, but he's coming back. I don't know if you ever heard of Derek Juan, but Derek Juan yes. is high jumper, world champion and Olympic champion in both. It, it, like he, we don't, we don't have any other gold medalists on this team right now. He won back to back goals, the best in the world ended up getting injured, but it's starting to get his health back and he's still a defending Olympic champion, you know, and um, he's, uh, he's healthy. He's a gold medal threat, not just a medal threat. He's a gold medal gold. threat. He's, you know what I'm saying? So, uh, Derek Duran at the high jump is uh, someone else to look out for. And one of the one of the more like under the radar gold medals at the Olympics, we don't hear about him much. It's weird. It's the only gold medal we got. Well, it's you hear about Andre like, more. Well, I mean, it's interesting because like we like we talk about marketing. You know, Andre DeGrasse is sort of like everywhere. We see him on yeah. social media and in commercials and on TV all the time. Yeah. And and we think of the Olympic games that we really strive for success for Canada, it's always going to be the, the winter games for now, right? It'll be mm. hockey and curling in the winter sports, but Canada is on the come up. They are competing in the summer Olympics at a, at a higher rate than they were, you know, back in maybe like Atlanta or uh, in 2000. So, I mean, we're, we're doing it up and you gave us three names or teams to sort of follow. And you brought up one thing that I definitely want to shout out the breakdown athletes to watch you have this segment that you've been putting up on i believe it's on instagram i'm not sure if it's on it's on youtube as well yeah. where you're breaking down these athletes and i'm sure as we get closer we'll see a few more what you said you love to do the editing are you doing this project by yourself and how much fun are you having doing it yeah i'm doing um all the editing um we actually just got a new studio at cbc now so Oh, nice. Like originally, before we got the studio, I would be doing all the camera work and all the, all that stuff. But now, you know, say we got, we got someone handling the cameras. We got, um, you know, a producer in there just making sure everything runs smoothly. But that once it leaves their 
Yeah, I just handle it. I do all the editing. I'll do all the, I'll write the scripts and everything before. But um, I don't know, just trying to bring a different um, perspective to some of the nuances within track and field and some of the unknown facts and some of the, um, you know, a lot of things that people don't know when they're watching that may garner some interest in the sport a little right. bit more. I think it's one of, it's, it's very odd to me that track and field is clearly the, the, the sport to watch at the Olympics. Right. Outside of the four years, it's like no one knows what's going on. It's, yeah. It has a lot to do with marketing, has to do a lot to do with, you know, lack of knowledge in the sport. It has to do with, you know, we, we haven't found a way to really bring the entertainment value out of it. So I'm trying to just bring more eyes and more knowledge and, you know, bring a little bit of fun out of it so that people can have some appeal. So it's not only appealing during the Olympic years because it's a, it's an amazing sport, man. And a lot of people aren't realizing um, the product that yeah. is there. You know what I'm saying? It's just, we got to figure out a way to just present it better. So I'm trying to be a part of that movement in my own way. So the breakdown is just a way of just breaking down some of the nuances, bring some knowledge to people so that they can uh, view the sport with a, with a different eye. Yeah. Listen, I love it. I saw your videos. I'm, I'm a big fan, obviously. And so where can people find you on Instagram if they do want to check out the breakdown athletes to watch? Okay. So, uh, Anson underscore Henry on Instagram. Um, Anson Henry I was going to say, not Anson, not Anson right. Carter, not Anson Carter. Yeah, not Anson, Anson Carter either. Don't let Julian tell you, tell y'all about 5B. This is the reason why, this is the reason why I did not want to say it for this reason. <laughs> but yeah, but yeah, on Instagram, Anson underscore Henry, uh, and then just Anson Henry on Twitter. Um, trying to, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm trying to, to be a bit more social media savvy uh, because I mean, obviously that's the direction the world's going. I just, uh, I try to focus so much on just telling the story and also just experiencing life without having right. to pull a phone out or without having to, right. you know, I'm trying because I mean, life is precious. You know, you want to experience every moment you can. And also, um, you know, you want, I want people to see the content though. So that's why I'm trying to be a bit more, uh, social media savvy. Um, and it's the way of the world. There ain't no way around it. And, yeah. uh, you know, I'm, I'm going with the flow. It's just what it is. You got to adapt. So, um, yeah, man, that's where I could be found. And uh, when we leading into the Olympics, I'm going to be pumping out a lot of stuff. So, um, yeah, I want a lot of people to enjoy and learn, you know, catch a story uh, every hopefully, so often. Hopefully before the Olympics starts, we can have you on again for a more comprehensive breakdown cool, of what man. you expect from the Olympics. And listen, Andre DeGrasse, if you're listening, which I'm hoping I'm going to send this to you a million times so you can – Come on the podcast. Let's talk a little, you know, SC. You know, we'll bring Anson back as well. And, you know, we'll have some fun talking about uh, Washington State University and, and all that fun stuff. But uh, listen, you're doing a great job. I love Appreciate the it, stuff that you're putting out there. It's always a fun time to talk to you. Uh, thank you for taking the time uh, to be here tonight. And uh, No problem, know, man. And, yo, you're doing your thing, yo. Like, I really like the passion it, you, bring to, you bring to this shit, yo. Like, you're really, you're really doing your thing. And I, 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 I noticed it right when you started speaking, when we, when we were doing the good rookies podcast, like I, I like your energy, I like your knowledge, I like the passion and appreciate you know, it. And you're very organized and you have, a, except a that I fucked up your name to begin with. You did. You did. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to hold you to that. At least not on camera. You know what I'm saying? But just is what it is. 
You know what I'm saying? I but appreciate you do it, your man. thing, yeah, yeah. I, I thought we were going to discuss the, you know, the Jordan LeBron goat conversation, but that's that's an entire show in itself. I just want to it, know. I just exactly. need to know. Can you just say a name? Can you just say a name. Is it Jordan? Jordan or LeBron? I'm. Uh, for me, for me, it's Jordan, but it's not. Okay. It's not Jordan and no consideration. I think okay. there's a conversation to be had. I'm good with that. Hey, we could have the conversation. We just got to be reasonable. Yeah. No. Listen, I'm. I'm. I'm good. And I also. I. I also say we can't determine the greatest of all time until careers are over and we know how to measure everything. When thank you. Everyone's finished. Totally agree. So let's so. just leave it at Jordan and leave it at that. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> awesome. Listen, this has been another episode of the Big O Podcast for your guest Anson Henry and your host Julian Ortiz. Thank you for watching and listening. Have a great night, everybody.